Welcome, welcome to you, wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us on the 4th of July. Uh, happy 4th of July to you, and uh, I hope that uh, you have some great plans in store for your day and for your weekend. I do want to take this uh, opportunity to remind you, if you haven't already downloaded the U version onto your phone or onto your tablet, uh, it is a great absolutely free resource that's filled with uh, reading plans, video series on just about any topic that is of interest to you. You search for it and it will take you into God's word and his truth that can uh, set you free to live well in that area of life. So please do check out the version Bible app. Well, I want to take this opportunity this 4th of July weekend to introduce a brand new series and we are calling it Powerful Life powerful life and it's based on this reality that we cannot live lives that are full unless we are empowered that makes sense doesn't it we cannot live the lives that God offers to us without receiving power from him to do it well I was uh, thinking about this truth and uh, a number of decades ago my wife and I had our first trip to Europe and we actually went to Paris France, and uh, there we rented a, a little Fiat, and, and we were driving from Paris to uh, Frankfurt, Germany, to visit some uh, missionary friends that were there. And uh, somewhere uh, along the road in Germany, we got on the infamous Audubon Highway. And uh, you may know that there are stretches of this highway where there is literally no speed limit. Uh, there is no speed limit. Uh, you can go as fast as your car will take you. Well, we stayed in the slow lane because, quite frankly, I was afraid to take this little Fiat into the passing lane. And most of the time, I had the accelerator depressed all the way to the floor, uh, trying to get this thing to go faster. And at one point, I risked moving into the uh, fast lane to pass what I think was a farm truck and... Uh, Looking in my rearview mirror, the coast was clear. Nothing was coming. I got in the fast lane, and almost instantaneously, I looked in my rearview mirror, and all I saw was this behind me, and a, a grim-faced uh, driver uh, wondering why in the world I was slowing him down. And, you know, I think of that as, as an illustration of how we often try to get by in life without the power we need to live well. And, uh, you know, we may get through, we may get where we're going, but we don't do it well. And we don't do it in the sense that God has designed for us uh, to live within his power. I think that's why Jesus told his, his very first followers, after they had seen him alive uh, post-resurrection, and he said, do not leave Jerusalem until you have received power from on high, until you've been clothed until you've been filled with power to live well and to live as my witnesses. You know, I was uh, thinking about this weekend, uh, the 4th of July, and one of the things we do is we, we, we love to have demonstrations of power. We have parades and uh, flag waving and cap it off with a night of fireworks. And someone asked the question, why do we blow things up? On Independence Day, on the 4th of July, well, you may have your own responses to that, but uh, many people go to the words of John Adams, who sent a letter to his wife informing her that the Continental Congress had declared independence. 
And here's what he said. This day, Independence Day, ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, with sports, with guns, with bells, with bonfires and illuminations uh, from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward and forevermore. And so we have the 4th of July as we have come to know it. Uh, you know, I was, uh, as I thought about the 4th of July and demonstrations of power and fireworks, uh, I was reminded of this song by Katy Perry by that very uh, title, Firework. And uh, you may not, uh, she may not be your favorite artist, but listen to these words. She said, do you ever feel, feel so paper thin like a house of cards, one blow from caving in. Do you ever feel already buried deep, six feet under, screams, but no one seems to hear a thing? Do you ever know uh, that there's still a chance for you? Because there's a spark in you. You just gotta ignite the light and let it shine. Just own the night like the 4th of July, cause baby, you're a firework. And then these words, come on and show them what you're worth. Make them go, oh! Oh, oh, and uh, you know, again, you may not like the song, but the truth has obviously struck a nerve. That, that uh, music video has been viewed over a billion times. Uh, people want and they need to be empowered to live beyond their limitations, to live beyond their difficulties, to break through uh, their challenges. Uh, people want and need that. We want to find the strength to push through our pain and our suffering to overcome our difficulties and our addictions. And fireworks remind us that it takes power to live free and to live well. Hear that again, the fireworks, and I hope this is true of you, they remind us that it takes power to live free and to live well, well, here's a, a statement that I hope you'll really come to embrace in this series, Powerful Life. It is not God's will for you to live a muffled or a muted life. It never has been. It never will be for anyone. It's not God's will that we would live a subdued and a constrained and a muffled and a muted life. Listen to these words as uh, Paul writes to one of his young disciples who was in a position where he was beginning to doubt uh, his abilities. Paul says, for this reason, uh, I remind you, young Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God. Ignite that spark that is within you, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then these profound words, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power and love and self-discipline. It's not God's will for you uh, to live out your life to live out your faith journey with a, with a spirit of fear, where you're always cowering, you're always doubting uh, God's ability in you, where you shrink back from challenges. Uh, God has not given you a spirit of timidity. And, and again, it's uh, that shying away, stepping back, hiding out, muffling that light that God has put within you. Uh, Paul says this, uh, God is not, uh, it's not God's will for you to live a powerless life. Instead, uh, he says, God has given you a, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. And I wanna invite you to say that with me. If you are a follower of Christ, uh, echo these words. God wants me 
God wants me to have a spirit of power. He, he wants you to be enabled and to feel capable. God wants me, God wants me to have a spirit of love. Uh, God wants to equip me with everything that I need to be able to love others well. And then finally, God wants me, God wants me to have a spirit of self-discipline or self-control, the ability to, to direct my life to things that are impactful and meaningful and purposeful. Uh, this is God's will for people, and it's God's will for you. It's a life that has staying power. It's a life that has enduring power. It's a life that some would uh, call uh, has uh, a life that has grit and resiliency. You know, I came across a book recently, and it's literally called The Grit Factor. And uh, it's written by a woman who knows something about grit. Uh, her name is Shannon Huffman Polson. She actually uh, uh, has a master's degree from our local uh, college, uh, Seattle Pacific University, uh, in creative writing. But uh, she was the youngest woman ever to climb Denali, uh, Mount McKinley up in Alaska, uh, the highest mountain in North America. She went on to reach the summits of Mount Rainier, Mount Kilimanjaro, and she spent more than a decade traveling the world. Yet, uh, where she really learned about grit and resiliency was as a, an Army's uh, first female attack helicopter pilot, where she eventually led an Apache flight platoon. And uh, as I said, there she learned the significance and the importance of having this quality called grit and resilience. And uh, in one chapter of her book, The Grit Factor, uh, she actually writes uh, about a woman who was a medical officer, Major Rhonda uh, Cornum, and uh, she tells a bit of her story. Uh, medical officer Cornum was flying low over the Iraqi desert in search of a downed uh, F-16 fighter jet. And uh, as they were searching the terrain, they themselves were hit uh, by a rocket that was fired from the ground. Uh, all that she remembers is it was daytime when they crashed, and it was uh, the dark of night when she came to and discovered that she couldn't move. She couldn't even turn her body. Uh, she would uh, later discover that both of her arms were broken. And though she didn't realize it at the time, she'd also been shot. And uh, as, she, as her uh, vision began to focus, she saw five guns pointed at her, and it was her Iraqi captors. And she remembers being pulled, yanked from the, the wreckage, and drugged by her hair uh, to the bunker of these Iraqi soldiers. And uh, it was there uh, that immediately she began to be sexually assaulted. And uh, she remembers specifically thinking uh, during those moments uh, that she was amazed and, so, and repulsed by what was happening to her in spite of the fact that her body was mangled and bleeding and at the point of death. Well, she also remembers in those moments understanding how, how she thought about the situation would define her experience and would determine whether she survived her ordeal or was crushed by it. Uh, hear that again. It was during that moment, uh, broken arms, shot, being uh, assaulted and molested, that she had an understanding 
that it was how she saw her experience that would determine whether she survived her ordeals or was indeed crushed by them. Now, uh, I can see uh, why the author chose uh, a story like that uh, to illustrate the kind of grit, the kind of resilience that we're talking about, that God wants to give every single person uh, not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of timidity, but of power uh, and of love and of a sound mind. God wants to give you grit. God wants to give you resiliency for both the, uh, the major obstacles in life, but also the minor, the everyday discomforts and, and challenges. And that power comes from God. It allows uh, us to live in the way that God designed us to. Uh, we can be mindful. We can become, in a sense, a directors and writers of our own story. And, and so for this reason, uh, Paul, on another occasion, uh, pens this prayer uh, uh, toward a group of his friends. Here's what he says. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. In other words, we want you to be absolutely clear about what God's intention for you is as a follower of Christ. And we pray that he'd fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. See, it's knowing God's intention for us that empowers us to live in such a way that is worthy of our faith and pleases God in every way. And then he begins to describe what that will look like. He says, uh, it is God's will for you to bear fruit in every good work, to grow in the knowledge of God. And then this key statement, it is God's will for you that you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And I'd like to invite you to just let those words Kind of make an, an impression on, on your mind and your heart for a moment. It is God's will to strengthen you with all power according to his glorious might. Do you think uh, the infinite God uh, has some might, has some power at his disposal? And Paul's prayer is that the infinite God would bring his unlimited resources and empower us to live in ways that, that are truly filled with grit and resiliency. Well, uh, here's a good question. Uh, how do we do that? You know, how do we put ourselves in a position where we receive the power that Almighty God wants to give us in order to help us face all of life's challenges and difficulties and overcome all of our limitations? Uh, how do ordinary people tap into extraordinary power. Well, that's what this series is about. Powerful life is how do people like you and I tap into this extraordinary power that is clearly God's will for his people? Well, we're going to uh, explore that. And we begin this uh, journey of exploration with, uh, with an event uh, in the life of Jesus where the power of God literally came through him to uh, someone in a very desperate situation. Uh, we're told in uh, Mark chapter 5 that uh, Jesus was uh, being followed by many people. 
In fact, we're told that the crowds were pressing in on him uh, so much so that he didn't even have uh, room to operate, room to eat. Uh, they were just kind of being pressed along by the crowd. I was reminded by this horrific scene that happened early in May in Israel where there was literally a, a, a stampede uh, sparked by uh, who knows what, but suddenly there was a rush to exit. And uh, in this stampede, uh, 48 people were crushed to death and many others injured just trying to get to a, a better place. And if you can imagine uh, that kind of crowd pressing in around Jesus, we come to uh, Mark 5, verse 24. It says, a large crowd followed and was pressing in around Jesus. And, and, and now Mark bores down, drills down uh, to highlight one person within that crowd who stood out, and we'll see why, stood out in the eyes of Jesus. Verse 25, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd had an issue of blood uh, coming from her body. Most, uh, most people who study the scriptures believe that uh, she had some sort of uterine hemorrhage that plagued her for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal, the scriptures say, under the care of many doctors, and she had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. You might say this poor woman was at the end of her rope. Uh, she was uh, literally in a hopeless and a helpless situation. She had spent all of her resources, all of her energy, expired all of her hope trying to overcome this difficulty that had plagued her. She tried everything. She withheld nothing. She didn't want to stay sick. In fact, she was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And uh, maybe, you, I don't know where you're at this uh, 4th of July weekend. Maybe everything is well with you. Uh, but maybe you're in a crisis point. Uh, maybe you can really relate to this woman who you did everything you've known to do to break through some challenge, to overcome some difficulty, perhaps to uh, get free of an addiction. And uh, you've had treatment. You've had counseling, you've had support groups, and it still clings to you. It's still draining the life from you. And whether your crisis is that dramatic or you're just facing uh, limitations, uh, brokenness that just doesn't seem to give way, uh, old issues that seem to arise again in new situations, uh, the truth is this, uh, God notices people that are at the end of their rope. Uh, and, you know, on top of this woman's physical and financial difficulties within her culture, she would have been seen as extremely unclean. She would have been seen as a failure when it came to faith in God and one of his people. In fact, the very Bible speaks of women during a time of, of, of menstrual, their menstrual cycle. Here's what the book of Leviticus says. When a woman has a discharge of blood, for many days at a time other than her monthly period or a discharge that continues beyond, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be declared unclean as, is, uh, as her bed during her monthly period. And any time she, sit she sits on anything, it will be declared unclean. Whoever touches them will be unclean. He must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he will be unclean until evening. 
What a horrible indictment to be upon a person who's struggling with a physical malady. And we don't know why that was in the ordinances of the Old Testament, but we do know this, uh, that her emotional, uh, her social, her relational pain would have been at least as great as her physical uh, pain. Uh, When the answers that we're looking for don't come easily, we can relate to this woman. Uh, When even the truth of God may seem to add to our weight and to our burden, we can relate to this woman. You know, here's a truth about grit and resiliency. Uh, Life has a way of making it difficult for all of us to overcome uh, our obstacles. Life has a way of presenting each of us with very unique challenges to uh, processing through our difficulties, overcoming our limitations, breaking through and, and seeing, finding healing for our brokenness. And uh, we can learn from this woman uh, how it is uh, she found that power of God to bring her to a better place in life. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, we're told she came up behind him in the crowd for obvious reasons. She didn't want to be spotted. She didn't want to be noticed. Uh, she didn't want to be uh, held at bay because of people who knew of her condition. So she came up behind him in the crowd. She touched his cloak because she thought to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. You see, it's just a thought. It's just a small thought, but it's a true thought. It's just a ray of hope, but it is a genuine ray of hope. She thought to herself, if I can just get close enough, if I can just touch uh, his clothes, I will be made well. And uh, you know, it's profound what a single thought can do in our lives. What a single sliver of hope Uh, What a difference that can make. Similar to uh, that medical officer in the moment uh, when she was broken, with her broken arms, with her wounded body being sexually assaulted, she had a thought. My view of this will determine how I come through it and whether or not this crushes me or moves me forward in my life. I, I believe that the power of a single thought from God can change our reality completely. If you've walked with God for any length of time, you know this to be true. Uh, Jesus said, you know, what you hear in secret, declare from the housetops. It's those little uh, seeds of truth that make all the difference in our lives. Uh, The Bible speaks of a, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, Uh, some truth that comes from God in the middle of our challenges, in the middle of our life's harshest realities, and that single word of knowledge or that word of wisdom can bring together the power of God with the reality of our situation and make all the difference in the world. In fact, Jesus said, the one who hears my voice has crossed over from death to life. Hear that again. The one who hears my voice No matter the difficulty, no matter the obstacle, no matter how hopeless our circumstances may seem, if we truly hear the voice of Jesus, we can cross over in that moment from death 
to life. Psalm 43, the psalmist says, God, send out your light, send out your truth, and let them guide me in this darkened time. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. What a great prayer. God, when I'm in darkness, when I'm in difficulty, when I've reached the end of my rope, when I've spent all my resources, would you send forth your light and your truth and let them begin to guide me into your presence where I can access the power that you want to give to me. But uh, here's the truth. When we receive that seed thought, when we have a word of knowledge, when we have an inkling that maybe God could do something that I've not been able to do by myself, we must act on it. We must be willing to cling to it. Much as this woman, we're told, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him. She pressed through the crowd. You can imagine that throng of humanity. It was no easy task to get to where Jesus was. Uh, people of much greater ability and strength would have struggled just to get near him. But there was something of determination in this woman, in her weakness, in her emptiness. Uh, certainly she was anemic, this this flow of blood from her strength would have been ebbing away from her along with her financial stability uh, for over 12 years uh, but she acted she pressed through she found a way to get close enough to touch him i remember uh, uh, several years ago uh, my brothers and i uh, went to the rose bowl and uh, on the day of the rose bowl is also the rose tournament of roses parade and we got there somewhere around 4.30 or 5 a.m. so we could stand right along the curb and watch this uh, marvelous uh, show come by us. Uh, but as more and more people began to accumulate, literally half a million people lining the streets, uh, our curbside view, we began to get pushed back. And uh, all of a sudden, we were behind four or five uh, heads of people trying to see over them. And it took grit. It took determination. It took resiliency to press through the crowd and get back to that place where we had access. Well, uh, we're told of this woman that when she did, uh, verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Can you imagine the feeling? Uh, the moment that she pressed through and touched the, the hem of Jesus's garment, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. She must have felt uh, strengthened. She must have felt energy. Uh, she must have felt revitalized. She must have felt her hope replacing her despair and th this assurance that now things were on a different trajectory. Verse 30 uh, says, at once, the moment of this transaction when this woman authentically touched Jesus, at that moment, Jesus realized, you hear this, power had gone out from him. This is the heart of this series, Powerful Life, is getting near enough to Jesus Christ that the power he wants to infuse us with goes out from him and floods into our situation. And he immediately turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? Uh, 
Yes, there's a crowd pressing around me, but somebody touched me. Somebody got through. Uh, this wasn't just banging shoulders and uh, you know being in the vicinity. This was someone who genuinely, authentically, in genuine faith, touched Jesus and power came from him. And I, I want to make this statement. That same Jesus is accessible to you. Uh, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I've got to believe that the reason this woman's story has been captured by the gospel writers is because God wants us to know uh, his power is available to you. His power is accessible uh, for you. And it comes in the person of Jesus Christ. And yes, we may have suffered longer than we think we should. Yes, we may have issues that have endured far beyond our ability to have the answers. Uh, but there's a promise that Jesus is the same and this power is available to those who press through the crowd of their circumstance and touch him. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter is trying to summarize the life of Jesus for these uh, interested people, Gentiles, not of the people of Israel. And here's what he says. Uh, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know how God empowered or anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the power of the devil. See, that's the nature of Jesus. He has the power of God upon him. He comes near enough, uh, comes uh, within our proximity, and uh, he goes about doing good uh, and healing those who reach to him, freeing, liberating those who would simply respond to his availability and touch him genuinely. And so uh, as Jesus looks around for who touched him, because he knew this power had gone out from him, verse 31, uh, his disciples say, Lord, you see the people crowding around you, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, knowing she wasn't going to get away with this, knowing she couldn't hide the fact that she was the one who had touched Jesus, and instantly she was healed and her body was freed from its suffering. Uh, knowing that, she came and she fell at his feet, trembling with fear. And you say, well, why was she trembling with fear? Well, uh, she had just crossed every uh, religious barrier uh, that that constricted her, that restricted her, that confined her to being an outsider, to being unclean, and certainly uh, not the kind of person who should touch a holy man, a rabbi sent from God. And so she came uh, trembling with fear and fell at his feet, and she told him the whole story. She spilled the beans. Uh, she let her know, or she let him know uh, what her life had been like, how she had suffered, the hope that arose in her heart, and then her pressing through the crowd to touch him. And so in verse 34, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Uh, what a, a term of endearment 
he's not judging her. He's not ostracizing her. He's not applying the religious law to her. He simply says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your grit has made you well. Your resilience, uh, that word, that thought that, that you clung to and acted on has allowed you to access the power of God for your situation. And then this wonderful pronouncement, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Those words are the reason for this series, Powerful Life, uh, that we would learn uh, together to access the power of God for our big crises, our big challenges, and our daily uh, challenges and setbacks, that we would truly Receive from God that spirit of power and love and self-discipline that allows us to go in peace, to live in shalom, uh, to live in this sense that God is with us and God is for us and God is empowering us to live well for him. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. How many of us uh, carry uh, our baggage carry our burdens, uh, carry our maladies, carry our unhealed issues. And when Jesus is pronouncing, he's ready to pronounce for those who genuinely touch him, uh, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Be freed from your suffering. Uh, you know, as I uh, lead us in a prayer, uh, I want to just draw attention to a truth that we believe in with all our hearts here at Arlington FM. We believe that we are better together and that it's never been God's intention that we would do faith alone. And I hope you, you hear that and, and find ways to connect to that. We are indeed better together, and we need one another to, to progress in this life that God has called us to. But here's another truth. There are some times when you're on your own. There are some times when it's you, your issues, your challenges, and you need to be like that woman who uh, you believe that your wellness, your empowerment, uh, your, your freedom from your suffering really depends on you touching Jesus, uh, on you breaking through the crowd, uh, on you uh, putting yourself in that place where it's you accessing his power for your situations. Uh, I want to invite you to pray with me. Uh, Father, thank you. As we get into the series on powerful life, uh, for this reminder that it has never been your will that we would live our lives cowering in fear, that we would never try to face life, life's challenges without what it takes. Uh, Lord, you never intended us to drive a fiat on the Audubon where we just don't have the power we need to live well. And I pray, God, that as we, as we move through this series and we look at your heart and we look at your will, that, uh, Lord, you'd begin to bring to light those areas of need, those areas of weakness, those areas where maybe we've suffered uh, under many physicians. We've spent what we've had. We've done what we could to improve our marriage or our relationships or our own feelings about ourselves or uh, the quality of our interaction with you. Lord, we would we would come to that place where we'd realize that you're near, you're here, and, and it's your desire uh, to uh, strengthen us, 
with all power according to your glorious might. And Lord, whatever that means, I pray that you would open that up to our understanding and uh, infuse that into our experience. And if you're listening uh, to this message and you know uh, you've never truly touched Jesus in a way that we've described here, and more importantly, he's never touched you in that way that this woman experienced, but you're ready for that. You're open to that. You're eager for that. You're hungry for that. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be satisfied. And uh, if you're at that place where you know that what you need is that next step to touch Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer. You would just say, Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for what I've heard. Uh, thank you for the, the announcement that God's power is on you and that you go about doing good and healing and helping those who are experiencing difficulty and oppression. And Lord, I need that. I want that, Lord Jesus. And so I invite you into my life and I press through to touch who you are. And uh, thank you for what I've heard, Lord, that you don't judge me. You don't ostracize me. You welcome me. And so I'm asking you, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Uh, let what you've done on the cross empower me to live for you. And I pray that you would make me a new creation as your word promises. In Jesus' name, amen.